Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a guiding principle study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Guiding Principles. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then the participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Guiding Principles Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 14. We're going to begin on page 24 with commitment. That's the spiritual principle we're going to start with. But first, let's give our introductions. Brooke, could you jump in and introduce yourself, please? Hi, my name is Brooke. Um, I'm an addict. My clean date is 6-16-1997. Um, I attend meetings here in the Mile High area and also the Boulder County area. My home group is Just Can't Miss It on Wednesday nights. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Brooke. What's up, Bobby? Hey, everybody. I'm Bobby. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean day is October 1st of 2020, and I attend meetings in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and uh, my home group's Wolfpacking, which meets on Wednesday and Friday nights. Really happy to be here. All right, folks, that's one birthday cake for Bobby this week. Good job, Bobby. All right, what's up, Melissa? Hi, my name is Melissa. I'm an addict. I am, oh, my clean date is May 21st. 2015, and I'm a member of Spiritual Ninjas and Freedom and Change and attend meetings in the New Orleans and Slidell areas, and I'm grateful to be a part of tonight. Thanks, Melissa. What's happening, Carl? Hey, everybody. I'm Carl. I'm an addict. Uh, clean day, January 6th, 2015. Home group, open mind in New Orleans, and uh, I attend meetings all, all over the place. Thanks, Carl. Thanks. What's happening, Phil? Phil M. My clean date is 4-19-95. My home group is Men in Recovery in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I attend meetings in the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania. All right. Thanks, Phil. Nomadic name's Douglas. I go clean March 12, 2000 in southwestern PA, and, uh, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right. Let's jump into it. and got a principal study for the Anonymous podcast. It's episode 14. I'm going to begin on page 24 with commitment. First, I'm going to read the uh, second tradition. It reads, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. So if we look at page 24, first spiritual principle we're going to discuss is commitment. Definition of commitment reads, the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity. Again, it reads commitment, the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity. You know, when I started looking at that, um, it was saying, if I say I'm going to do something, you know, I, I do it, right? I try, I try to make sure that, like, I'm doing what I say and I say what I do, and that's the principle that, uh, and what we're going to jump into, you know, once we once we jump over to page 25, that's not just at the, you know, at the home group or the area or whatever level, you know, that's something that I can say, hey, look, I'm going to carry this out. I'm going to try to live this out the best that I can. Um, and what that does is that allows people to trust me and then in, in behaving that way, um, I can see, I can see that in others as well. So those are going to be my comments there. I'm going to go with, uh, Bobby, jump in. 
Yeah, well, well said there, Douglas, because um, I'm looking at another definition that says it's an obligation that restricts freedom of action. To me, that says a little bit like what was told to me early on is, is you know, you make this your priority, you know, you make recovery your priority. So I, it doesn't give me the freedom to do whatever the hell I want, right? I have an obligation and a responsibility, right, to carry the message and to be there at my own group, right? And I think that's a perfect example of, um, you know, what was told to me and taught to me uh, early on in recovery that I try to carry today. You know, I, I, I follow through with my commitments because, you know, without this commitment and dedication to this cause, to this way of life, really, um, you know, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead to rights. So that's kind of what I had on that subject. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Bobby. What's happening, Carl? Yeah, I knew a little bit of, uh, I knew little of commitment when I got here. You know, I would always, oh, I'll call you back or I'll call you in five minutes. I'll be there in five minutes. You know, yeah, I'll show up to Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner. And, um, you know, and it's like, I think it all started with the most simple, simplest of things. You know, like it says the, a cause or an activity, you know, and just showing up to a meeting every day for 90 days. And, um, or chairing a meeting and showing up early to set up coffee and or calling people back when they called me, you know, calling my sponsor when I said I was going to call them, you know, and, and now, I mean, if you take it to this tradition, you know, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious and like staying committed to that cause, you know, and I think that that is, why they make it a, a principle is because there's plenty of times in a group discussion or a group meeting where I'm, I don't want to stick to that cause, you know, and I don't want to honor what my group conscious is, you know, over maybe what my opinion is. And, um, you know, and I'm super grateful to have been part of this process and this program in order to teach me how to honor a commitment, you know, even what we were talking about before this meeting, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's funny how that word can be commitment and also like, you know, letting go, you know, there's like, it's funny how sometimes like commitment, like I also have to have discernment sometimes with commitments, because if I have a lot of different commitments and my life has become unmanageable, I need discernment to get my life back manageable, you know, and it's easy in early recovery to take on tons of commitments. I'm over committing, you know, and, and that is uh, honestly, like to me, that's not practicing. You know what I mean? I've become, it's easy for me to, to become unmanageable sometimes with over committing. Um, so that's, that's important for me to remember, you know, even in my own recovery about how I practice that principle, you know, and not to, to, overdo it and become unmanageable because of it. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. So, Melissa? Yeah, Carl, you were just speaking to me with overcommitment. I tell you what, that's something I always uh, have to balance in my life. And so I have a few things to say on commitment. So like, for me, it takes time and practice and like sometimes even mistakes to learn, like for me to learn how to serve spiritually and be like selfless servant to others because like, I'll just speak for me, I'm naturally self-centered, so it's not in my natural nature to serve, um, 
But through commitment, that time and practice and action, like I learn, you know, and what, what <laughs> I love what Douglas always says, um, take us, get clean, give us, stay clean, right? Well, I have to learn how to do that. And I do that through commitment, um, through commitment to service. I've learned like how to be accepting, um, not always gracefully, you know, when you don't like what the group conscience is and things like that. Um, but I do get there. And also through commitment, like participating in a home group, business meetings, and even more, I like, I learned that it's okay to trust. And it's not always easy to be committed, right? You have to make choices, like, like Carl was just talking about, not to take on too much, right? You reserve a place for that commitment. And, and I think that's really vital. Um, and that lets the newcomer know that sees us as trusted servants, lets them know that they can count on us and that we'll show up and we'll be there. And um, that's like I said, that's when that trust is formed. So that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks for those comments, Melissa. Anybody else want to chime in on this? Our folks, look, we're going to pivot to safety. So we're going to look at this now. So safety definition reads the condition of being protected from or unlikely to cause danger risk or injury. So safety, the condition of being protected from or unlikely to cause danger, risk, or injury. You know, I was looking at that, I was saying, okay, look, how are we going to apply this, you know, safety as being, being a principle, but it, it really does, you know, what this speaks to me is, is um, if we have, if we have a decision, decision made that maybe I can't, you know, see, and I can't see why, or what's the value in, you know, is it, you know, uh, in a, a decision that the group makes that's not what what I voted for or something like this right um but I have to remember though is like look uh I'm not I'm not going to be hurt you know from that because I'm part of that like when I when I look at hey the greater good this common welfare I have to remember it's not like it's not all of you are make up the greater good all of you make up you know our common welfare like I'm a part of that like I'm a part of the great, I'm a part of the common, I, that, that's me. So if it benefits you all, I'm a part of, it benefits me as well. You know, I'm safe and I'm protected in there too. So I was looking at that. And then the other one, um, there's a big relief in, in this like release of tension that comes when I really do, I take a step back and say, look, there's this loving God that already has it figured out. You know, it's not, this isn't like a, you know, dogma debate or anything like that but like when i just look at it when i boil it down and i say look there's this loving higher power already got it figured out like i can just walk through it, man you know try to be a decent human being you know do the best i can do right you know like, like kind of be good and decent you know get into that goodwill perspective bro it, it like removes all this that i can get bound up right here so so and i was thinking you know maybe that could be you know part of the spiritual principle of safety so i'm looking forward to what you folk have to share about carl jump in yeah, I think you were hitting right on it. You know what I mean? What I was kind of having in mind was just that is it's like how I, even I approach it in my own recovery. Like as long as I'm practicing principles, like I know things are going to be okay. And as long as I rely on a group conscious, things are going to be okay. No matter what I think or what my ego tries to tell me, like there is a greater good at work. There is a greater power at work, you know, and Sometimes I often think of the, the safety piece, too, as like an atmosphere of safety. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the part that I see 
the most foul play, you know what I mean? If you want to call it that, like in our atmosphere is just, you know, members trying to approach other members and, and making them feel uncomfortable or, um, you know, I saw a lot of it early on and it really kind of upset me, you know, in a lot of ways that like members would try to either pick up or have sex or like, you know what I mean? Just there's a, there's a guy in, in one of the meetings and he approaches like, I think every woman probably trying to ask them out, you know, and it makes them very uncomfortable, you know, and, and like, I think a big piece of why I no longer really date in recovery is that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to have uh, ill will or like uh, conflicting things, you know, I don't want to shit where I eat, you know, but that's just for me, you know, I like to be able to go to a meeting and have no thought or say, damn, I haven't slept with anyone in this room, you know, and I can pretty much go anywhere and say, and say that now. And um, I love that. You know, I think for me personally, that creates a, a huge atmosphere of safety. When I walk in, I feel safe. I don't feel like, Oh shit, have I wronged this person or have I harmed this person or, um, so that's another aspect, I guess, that was coming to my mind is like, you know, are we making people feel safe when they come here? You know, are we providing an atmosphere that is very welcoming um, and they don't have to feel like they're going to be taken advantage of? So thanks. Thanks for speaking on that, Carl. Jump on in, bro. So when I think of the traditions, I mainly think of how they do apply to the group. And so the safety, when we talk about safety, I, I really think that it, it's about keeping the group safe and not necessarily the people, because um, we have a purpose, which is to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. Um, and uh, if we don't, if we don't uh, take care of NA, if we don't, you know, keep the group safe, it's literally just not going to be there to carry that message. Um, and there's, and I can see how if we left just one person in charge, especially one of us, um, <laughs> things could go sideways pretty quickly for, for what a few people have mentioned. And, um, you know, cause not one of us is capable of consistently making good decisions. And, and so there is, I think I already explained last week about my idea of um, what my understanding of the group conscience is, is so that there's there's that idea that if we all get together and we all manage to come up, get on the same page, um, what we're gonna, what's gonna work out is that it's gonna protect the group of us um, instead of just one individual. Because what I need to do to stay stay safe isn't necessarily what Carl needs to do to stay stay safe. Um, and you know, I guess also what I think is dangerous may not be something that Carl thinks is dangerous. Not to pick on you, Carl, but you know. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, so that's it. So it's really it applies to the group, and it's and it is really about uh, if just left to one person, we probably would end up doing something that um, our primary purpose wouldn't necessarily stay to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. Thanks for those comments, bro. Anybody else? Jump on in, Phil. I'll be real quick. Uh, that was very well said and, and, and good stuff. But uh, but with the um, safety, like um, like it was said, uh, collective collectively we come together in 
in unity and um, uh, and with the group conscious sometimes that that togetherness together with discussion and things like that can um, can uh, nip some things uh, in the butt per, per se but but sometimes it's the, the gathering together with the the their safety in numbers and uh, a power greater than than me together uh, we can do things in the group together for safety and uh, uh, that that spiritual principle was in uh, tradition one and, and, it, and it's appearing again in tradition two and uh, uh, there's all kinds of meetings you know and if the member member doesn't feel safe uh, at, at a meeting they you know well they'll, they'll probably go to another meeting you know and uh, uh, the members are talking about predators uh, this and that uh, and that's why our diversity we got so many uh, meetings for and so many different kinds of people and types and things like that and um, the members need to feel safe. That's all I got. Thanks for those comments, Phil. And to uh, for the folks listening, you know what? Maybe one action item, you know, that that could look at, especially with poor behavior by some members, you know, whether it's predatory or being disruptive, violent, intimidating, you know, things like this. Some action items that we can do. Yeah, as a group is, is uh, I feel, I'm glad you brought that point up, you know, get a, get a few people, a few home group members together. It doesn't need to be like a one-on-one -on -one confrontation style. Get a few home group members and say, hey, look, you know, this is infringing on the atmosphere recovery, you know, here. And, um, and then having that belief that there's a loving higher power that's in the mix of it, you know, as, as well. Um, yeah, so, and but you know what? You anybody else want to comment on that? Because I think I think it's important, man. I think I think sometimes we lean in on, hey, let's be tolerant, let's be open. Hey, we're sick people, you know, you know that that whole thing. And I, and I get that I get that whole perspective. Also, got, got clean when the old timers would say, look, we don't get them, you know, on their back before they get on their feet. You know that whole perspective there too, you know. So it's like, well, you know, when that, um, uh, you know, so what what are some action items? That, that if someone's listening right now and saying, hey, look, you know what, I'm part of a group. I know that, the, the, you know, we have this ultimate authority, you know, in our group conscience. So how do I say, hey, look, they're, they're, this, this addict's behavior, male, female, doesn't matter, you know, whatever it is, is disruptive, whether it's predatory, you know, violent, intimidate, you know, you figure whatever it is. What does that look like? And what, what, you know, how do we get into the solution of that? What does that look like? How do we bring that up in the, in the business meeting or in the group conscious meeting? And how do we work towards a solution? And I think that 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 may help some listeners. Sure, would help me. What's happening, Brooke? So a couple of things. One, just as a a woman who spent several years in recovery, um, what I've done as far as predators goes is, if there's somebody new, a woman in the meeting, um, I just make sure that she has the option to call me. You know, because when I was new, you know, who came up to me, the guys. So like, and when you don't know anybody in the room, like, don't get me wrong. I hung out with some pretty awesome guys when I first got clean. Um, but that's because I knew how, how it rolled. This isn't my first rodeo. 
However, if you're brand new, I just make sure I'm like, here's my phone number here in Colorado um, in Oregon too. You, we hand out lists with the phone numbers and that's it. We give people a choice. Like I can't make somebody um, behave the way I want to. And then the other one is that I really group inventories are awesome because it's a great way for everybody to, because you don't necessarily need to go, hey, you need to stop this behavior. It's more like the group gets together and we talk about how we want to present ourselves um, and how we can do better. Talk about an action list. We go, these are the things that we want to make sure happens. And that happens in my group on a pretty regular basis. But if you take it to, like if you set aside a, a special group conscience, um, it, it kind of takes the pressure off of, because if you tell an addict not to do something, that's the first thing they're going to do. You know what I mean? So like, it's just like, let's talk together about how we want to be. Um, and then maybe, you know, that's a good way to encourage people to, to interact with people differently than they were before. Because um, I, I believe that we're all trying to interact the best we can, but and for every predator out there, there's, there's, a, there's some people out there who are looking for somebody to take care of them too. So, you know, it, it kind of swings both ways and we got to teach both side. We got to teach everybody who comes through the door a healthier way of living. That's all I have. Thanks, Brooke. And, and uh, um, folks about the, about the group inventory for the business meeting, I think a good place to start with that, Brooke, would you agree that that it's in the uh, it's in one pages of the group booklet? You guys can get that as a free resource or or buy it. I think what is it, sixty cent or something like that. But there's a there's a group inventory in the in the group booklet, and that's a really good starter if you if you want to do a a regular inventory for the home group. Awesome, good comments. I got Melissa and then Carl. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so. I would be surprised if you couldn't find the group booklet online um, on the NA website as well. Um, that might be an easy place to look as well. So, um, I mean, I have experience with this as I'm sure like, um, you know, I'm a woman. So of course that's what I'm going to talk about. Right. So I had an experience um, and I don't know how long clean time I had, I'd say 90 days or less. And um, I had an experience where an unsafe environment presented itself um, and I felt so uncomfortable and it presented, presented itself in the form of a hug right and so today I can't even imagine doing this but my reaction was I just didn't say anything you know because when when I got here I was already scared I already um didn't feel like I belonged and things like that so um I just didn't say anything and um basically what I did do is I stopped hugging that person um because it, was, it wasn't right, you know, and I knew that, even though I didn't know a whole lot, I knew that was, it wasn't right. Who knew the answer was in tradition too, right, with safety, but I'm just glad that it didn't stop me from coming, you know, and unfortunately, that is the threat here, right, is that, that the attic stops coming, so, or, just, you know, just brands NA is like that unsafe environment as a whole, you know, and so, you know, as far as how to approach that on a group level is if you know behaviors aren't right, then address it. I believe now after some time clean, like addressing things head on is the only way that you're going to solve them. So 
Um, you know, and I really like the idea of doing a group inventory because I hadn't really even thought of that when it comes to safety. I thought of it in reference to like being welcoming and things like that and making sure you're doing all those things. But like, what can we help do to help protect our members, which in turn protects the group, you know? And um, I also encourage women to stick with the women, right? Men to stick with men. No, dude, I will not be your sponsor. I've actually had to tell a guy that before, you know? And, um, you know, those, those suggestions are put in place for a reason. And this is a, a very big part of that is safety. So that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Melissa. And folks, you know, where the, where the hope is, man, like the, the, this love and higher power that we're talking about here, 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 here's what, here's what happens. Somebody's listening to the podcast now and they just heard you be vulnerable, Melissa, talking about your experience there. Right. And then they have that shared experience and just happened today or this past week or a month or, you know, whatever that is, they get to reach out to you. You know, we have the, the Facebook platform that they can connect with you and say, Melissa, you know, how'd you navigate this, pour this into me, then they can pour that into, into other people. And, uh, and that's what we get, man. That's what we get for being vulnerable. And we open ourselves up and we touch the lives of other people. Thanks for being honest, you know, and vulnerable with that. All right, Carl, what's happening, bro? Yeah, just real quick, I had a, a thought um, when you were talking about what can we do as a group, you know, and it made me really think of like in a lot of the formats, you know what I mean? In a lot of our formats, we say, if you have any drugs, weapons or paraphernalia on you, please leave and get rid of them. You know, and, and that's another piece, I think, of that safety is making sure that we're not bringing drugs and weapons in our meetings, you know, and I've definitely seen both. I've seen drugs and weapons in our meetings, you know, and um. You know, you see people loaded in the meeting, you know, and that, I think that's we, we've had that previously in our conversations of, you know, what do we do as a group when you have a, a chairperson that might be possibly under the influence or like, you know what I mean? These type of things where, you know, also when they say, hey, if you use in the last 24 hours, please don't share. You know, and I think that's those are all aspects, I think, of creating a, a safe environment, you know, and. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what, when I think about it, I've, I've seen predatory behavior in all ways. You know what I mean? I've seen it man on man because I've had to have conversations with all different people, you know, and I've seen it on women on women. I've seen it on men on women. And then I've also seen it, you know, women on men. And um, I've seen it all the way around, you know, and I think that I mean, I, honestly, like I do feel somewhat responsible, you know, and I, I don't I do teeter-totter sometimes with codependency and things like that about feeling like I am somewhat maybe responsible for other people's safety when I know that they have a duty to protect themselves and learn to protect themselves. But I think that I, I think it is important for more experienced members if they see things and they know that someone has a history of predatory behavior and they continuously do it. I mean, I've I, I've reached out to several women, men, you know what I mean? There's, um, I saw a guy this weekend at the function in uh, Pensacola and he's probably got about 14 or 15 years and um, he picks up newcomer guys and tries to sleep with them, you know, and he's done this for as long as I've known him. And, um, and that's the thing that uh, when I do see him with a newcomer guy, I absolutely usually tell them like, Hey man, I just want to let you know, to, to be careful and mindful, 
of, of your company, you know, and, and that's, you know, I would have wanted somebody to do that for me, you know, to speak up and, and let me know like of my surroundings, because when I'm new, I'm not aware. And I, like Melissa said, I don't speak up for myself and I put myself in situations where I'm not aware of, you know, and I just want to be accepted and I want to be loved. And sometimes that creates an inability to protect myself. You know, and I think sometimes it's like, like it was told to me when I get clean, I'm, I'm like, it's almost like a rebirth, you know, like at one year clean, I'm like one years old. You know, I know nothing about boundaries or protecting myself. I really don't. And I remember that, you know, I remember I didn't really know much about relationships or boundaries or um, speaking up for myself. So I do feel like it's sometimes um, there is a responsibility in our group to, to maybe speak up. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. Anybody else? I folks want to go ahead and pivot to humility. Definition reads, a modest or low view of oneself, one's own importance. So humility, uh, a modest or low view of one's own importance. And the only comment I want to make this, and I'll open up to you folks, is when we're talking about that there's the, the ultimate authority in this context. Humility allows me to say, that ultimate authority is not me, right? Is not me, which is kind of cool. It's kind of cool to get down with. So, uh, all right, folks, let's have it. Anybody want to share on this? All right, I got Melissa. Jump in. I'm mute first, though. I'm just talking away over here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it's funny that you read that with ultimate authority because, um, my, my first thought was the opposite, right? And I love how we all have different perspectives. So, um, and maybe it wasn't the opposite, but I, I thought of it more along the lines of like, you know, I always, the best definition that I ever heard of humility has come from Narcotics Anonymous, because even when you read that definition, it makes me think that, okay, I have to think that I'm lower because I think I'm way up here. Well, really and truthfully, I tend to think of myself down here. Right. And I need to bring that up to a realistic, not way up here, not way down there. And I need to bring it to a realistic viewpoint. Like I do have importance in the world. I'm not the most important. Right. And so that that's what humility means to me. So with that in mind, um, I thought of the aspect of how it talks about. A, um, let's see. Let me get on over to it. Being a trusted servant. Right. I am good enough. I can uphold a. Um, the traditions, the standards, the guidelines of the meeting, you know, I, I am good enough to do that, but I am not a ruler, right? So I'm not, I'm not so low that I cannot be of service, right? And we're all equal. We can all be trusted servants. And, and that, that's what really hit home to me. So, and also when it comes to the group conscience, my opinion is not the most important in the group conscience. I make up one piece of the pie. Thanks. Thanks, Melissa. What's happening, Brooke? So it's funny, like a lot of these that we come up with, uh, for some reason, I've memorized the definitions that work for me. I'm sure I've had to look these up a few hundred times. Um, and for humility, it's uh, from the one that I like is uh, having and showing a conscious awareness of my assets and liabilities. And it it's about self-awareness for me. So it's not even about I'm less than or more than or any of that. It's like, what can I do um, 
for the group, really, or whatever it is. Um, what's what are my assets, and what am I not particularly good at? Um, and uh, and I do like the part where we are looking to a power greater than ourselves, because that's never gonna, um, that's always gonna be um, in our best interest. Uh, but as far as for me, it's it's always a good idea for me to know um, what it is that because just get involved and, and do the things that I know how to do. Um, are you friendly? Be a greeter. Are you, you know, I mean, like there's stuff, there's plenty of things that we can all do to, to reach out and be a part of the group um, and have that awareness and make it all work. Cause it's really about all of it working so we can carry that message, the addict who still suffers. Um, I'm not particularly fabulous in groups like sharing in large groups or anything thing like that. I know the literature pretty well, you know? I mean, so those are the kind of things that that um, that I have come to know about myself that um, I share with Narcotics Anonymous because without Narcotics Anonymous, I wouldn't have had access to that information. So. Thanks, Brooke. Simon Carl. Yeah, I love what you, you shared, Brooke. I mean, I think that that's, from a personal standpoint, not a group standpoint, like where I really started to understand and like grasp humility was six and seven, you know, step six and seven really does show me like who I am as an individual, you know, and I think that really kind of anchored in me the, a better understanding of what humility is, you know, and it's to me, it's really not about levels or whatever. It's just like an honest assessment, you know, and I think that when I apply it to a group, like we were just talking about safety and all these other principles, like, are we practicing them? You know, if we're not, that's okay too, but how do we improve in them? You know what I mean? Or if we're doing things that are inappropriate and not good, you know, how do we pull back on them? You know, and it's like that assets and liabilities piece. And, um, you know, I love, um, I guess, viewing humility in that way. You know, I think that I often um, viewed it as, maybe a religious sense of trying to be less than or things like that. But the, the reality of it is just keeping an honest, active assessment of myself, you know, and I'm, I'm back in six right now, you know, and moving into seven. And um, I always love that, you know, and I wish, I think having that group inventory and things like that would be a good thing to really kind of pull up from time to time and really, um, do more of an honest assessment um, quite often. You know, I think that would kind of help us keep keep out of a lot of uh, trouble. I think we get ourselves into. Thanks. Thanks, Carl. Jump on in, Phil. Uh, good stuff from everybody. Uh, uh, that humility uh, uh, piece too, uh, I do want to tie it to the uh, first step because that's when um, uh, humility does appear in the first step of uh, Narcotics Anonymous. But I, I wanna look at humility also as, as meekness and, and, and not a weakness and just being a plain human, okay? And looking at, at the group as a whole and the unity in that we're all human beings in the group and uh practicing it you know practice these principles in in all of our affairs to practice that 
uh, and then tying it to the one autonomous authority or, or the higher power, like or like whatever. Um, uh, this will be for me. It's the most ideal state I can be in, because now um, others might be able to collectively do something with me, and if nothing else, and, and or, or or what I know two things for certain and two things for sure. Uh, uh, my higher power and, and uh, will is definitely doing something with it because I still think it's the most ideal state for for the um, I took it from the um, step but for the group to be in that's all I got thanks Phil yeah folks and I, I we're going to pivot over to to trust now but on the the last thing about the humility piece I heard sit here at the meetings all the time talking about how it's uh one perspective of it is we don't think less of ourselves right remember that little saying we don't think less of ourselves we think of ourselves less you know yeah that was kind of cool too all right so melissa touched on the trust piece so so um one spiritual principle that wasn't listed here but um we could comment on is this trust and this, this belief in the reliability truth ability or strength of something this is firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And, you know, when I look at trust and stuff, I first, you know, um, what, ha what happened with me is like, I, I trusted my sponsor, really. That's how it was. Like, I didn't know, I wasn't, I wasn't running enough to, to like, uh, trust a group, you know, to make a good decision. And then because there's this, there's this loving, you know, ultimate authority and all that stuff. But what I could see, like, right in front of my face was, the dude said he was going to pick me up. He picked me up. Dude said, whatever, we're going to do this. Yep, we did that. You know, he said, look, you're going to stay accountable to me. And when you mess up, I'm going to let you know about it. He sure as hell, you know, he didn't miss any of those, you know, any of those opportunities. So, like, I, that's how that's how trust was for me, man, I believe. And now what I've, what I've come to experience, though, is the process of Narcotics Anonymous works. And I trust it. Like, that's not swayed. You know what I mean? Like my my like my perspective on a lot of things, man, it can be, you know, swayed. I try to look at it from different things, but but man, I'm not taking a hit on the uh on the process of NA. Man, I I show up, I get honest with you people. Uh that's the honesty piece. Um, you know, I I uh I shut up long enough to hear what you have to say. That's the hope of mine this piece, and then actually put put some action in the willingness piece. But anyway, um so so all right, let's hear Melissa jump in comment on that and then folk anybody else who wants to, to jump in on the uh, spiritual principle of trust um, Melissa yeah so um I, you know as I was reading over this um leading up to this I just kept thinking of trust right I mean the trust that is even in the tradition you know but if you look at every noun within this tradition it requires trust to believe in it the group purpose a loving God uh, group conscience trusted servants right and you also have to trust that they don't govern right so you know and it when i came in you know i say that often because it's just like such a 360 from where i'm at now but you know i didn't trust anybody i'm i mean sometimes i'm shocked that i even showed up but to narcotics anonymous but as i stayed i learned that i could trust and that's why like to me the commitment piece is so important right because i saw people committed well, how did, why were they committed? Because it works, right? So, um, but yeah, so for the trust piece, I have like trust in my higher power. I had to learn that, right? I had to see it working in my life. Um, 
and I, I trust that the servants that are, um, they don't just say, Hey, I'm serving, right. We vote on it. Right. And, um, so trusting in those servants is, um, also important and the humility piece ties into that because the reason I trust it is because we all can be trusted servants. So that's another aspect of it. Right. And so this, for me, trust really developed like over time by like showing up and again, being consistent and always being in the meetings, getting to know people. This developed for me over time without even me realizing it until it was like, I actually was like, wow, I believe in this thing, you know, I always say this and it's so true. And it makes me like kind of emotional because like, I literally, like I got here on a maybe like, right. So like when I came in, I was like, maybe I can, you know, get a day clean. Maybe I can get a week clean. Maybe I get 30 days clean. Like every step of the way it was a maybe. And now like somewhere along that journey, I like want to be clean. I want to be here and I'm grateful to be here. And all that came through like trusting, right? If I'm, even if I'm just trusting that the next 24 hours I'm not going to use, that is still trust. Thanks. Well, that's beautiful, man. It really is. Got here on a maybe too. My folks, you know, my old man gave me two weeks to live before I got clean. I didn't where, where I, that's just beautiful. Got here on a maybe. Staying because of trust and the process works. That's fucking beautiful, man. Anybody else want to jump in on trust before we pivot over to four members? All right, well, with that, let's go ahead. Let's pivot over for members. That that first paragraph is pretty big. So let's uh, let's stop after the first paragraph on page 25 and make comments. Brooke, would you be willing to read that first paragraph and comment, please? Absolutely. For members, each of us has a conscience, that quiet voice that guides us. At its root, the, group, the word conscience means to know what within oneself. Developing our personal conscience is a process that continues as long as we are clean. Many of us begin recovery with a distorted sense of right and wrong. Our moral compass has been so skewed by our addiction that we had trouble following its guidance. Reconnecting with our conscience often begins by taking on the values of others. Learning to see from another's point of view helps build empathy, but it also teaches us to see new possibilities. Things can look very different from another angle of vision. While our sponsor, our family, and our community all provide us with models, ultimately we must learn to know within ourselves. Through the steps, we develop our own values and tools for recognizing when we are on course and when we are drifting. Often this begins as a set of absolutes, right or wrong, up or down, and that's the end of it. Gradually, we start to see shades of color where there had once been only black and white. And as we mature, we are more able to tolerate mixed feelings. There are many different right answers to the same question. Changing our angle of vision changes what we see. Our perspective shapes our perception and our perception helps determine our experience. Wow. <laughs> I don't know, I think that last line was pretty fantastic. <laughs> um, I can absolutely remember um, I got here it was either black or white. There was either, um, I mean, there was only one way to read the traditions, honestly. Uh, and and I, had, I had that kind of an attitude where there was just like, either you're following the traditions um, this way, this particular way, or you're not. Um, fortunately, I've been to another few other uh, 
states since then um, where fellowships do it differently, yet they're all within the same, they're all within traditions. And that I think has taught me that that understanding of that group conscience is that um, it's not necessarily about, because um, in addiction, if I made one wrong mood, move, um, I, might not, I might not get loaded today, you know? I mean, that, it's not necessarily that I'm gonna die. It's just that I'm not gonna get what I want, you know? Um, and the group conscience and that um, having that trust in that higher power is, is pretty amazing because I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, you know, and, and I can I can be a part of and and be a part of something that's good instead of just a just um, something that's self-destructive and crazy. So I definitely, as far as I give credit to showing up to business meetings and listening to other what other people have to say, and honestly doing stuff I didn't think was a good idea necessarily, um, as as taking that black and white thinking and spreading it to the rest of my world where I'm just like, maybe it doesn't have to be because exactly the way I think it is. Cause I don't know about anybody else, but my dad is like, there's the right way and there's the highway. That's how I grew up. Right. Um, and so, you know, I kind of carried that in here. And so now you guys are like, there's actually seven different ways of doing that, but we're going to do it this way. Cause you know, this group particularly wants to, to do it this way. And so that's how we're going to do it today, you know? Um, and so that's it. That's it. And um, yeah, but that per that perception thing is is absolutely everything. You want to change your world, just change your perception. Actually, I don't say just. It's not easy. <laughs> that's what the steps do. Um, is they change your perception um, and uh, get get me. They got me out of that little selfish. It's all about me, me, me. Because that's probably why things weren't working. Because it actually isn't all about me, me. Um, and I'm just beating my head against a brick wall. It's enough out of me. Thanks. All right. Thanks for those comments, Brooke. What's happening, Bob? Yeah, great comments there, Brooke. Um, a lot of meaty, meaty subject matter in this in this paragraph. Um, what I want to touch on is is where it talks about reconnecting, you know, with my conscience as I got clean. Right when I first got clean, I only, you know, I it was obvious that I knew how to rob, thieve, and steal, and everything else. Right, but early on in recovery, like I love how it says, like. To reconnect with my conscience, I often had to take on the values of others, and I and I think that's very true with me and my uh, relationship. You know, not only with my sponsor, but with you know, you hear in the room, stick with the winners, and that's kind of how I view this with um, me trying to figure out, you know, who I am and and just figure out the right way to do things, right? <laughs> and that's why sticking around with people that you know make these next right decisions and, and have worked the program and have stayed clean through some pretty heavy shit. You know, and that's how I kind of started to learn that process and uh, and talking about things looking different from another angle of vision. I, I think that's a beautiful sentence there because, you know, it, it opens my mind to see new possibilities. Right. When I see somebody who comes in with a high school education and goes on to, you know, do amazing things in their life, you know, all by staying clean one day at a time. Like to me, that's about getting in touch with uh, the power of this program, really, and what it can do for me and, and change my perspective perception right like i i have all those less than and i'm not good enough and i'm gonna fail like what this is the fucking point but by sticking around with these people that have been through this and, and have had the same fears and insecurities that i have that's a powerful thing and to see that other people can do it so can i and i can think that slowly kind of changes my perception of of what's possible in my life um, with recovery so that's all i got thanks
Thanks, Bobby. We want to go with Phil, then then I got you, Melissa. What's up, Phil? Uh, uh, I'll be real quick. Uh, today was my must meeting, and um, um, I see a must in there, so you know I got to elaborate uh, on the must. Uh, ultimately, we must learn to know within ourselves. Um, I am a stickler with the um, the literature, and especially um, with the group, you know, and and the group together we collectively do come with a uh, with uh, to get that conscious. But we still got our individual things, and um, uh, uh, and I'm talking about me too. I can have a um, distorted sense of think, uh, distorted sense of, of right and wrong, especially early on, but. Uh, Alter, we must learn, you know, within. See, uh, I'm one of the members when I see something um, in the literature and especially our steps and traditions, it comes back into the home group. If we're doing whatever we're doing and it may affect somebody or, or this and that, uh, I don't know. I might not want things to be distorted out of our um, program, okay? And if I really know something, somebody points out, and it comes back to the unity thing, that, that, uh, that our recovery depends on, on unity and how well our traditions are followed too. So I just wanted to say that. Thanks for those comments, Phil. What's happening, Melissa? <laughs> Yeah, so I have a lot of this paragraph highlighted because like has been said before, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, but I really liked how it said at its root, the word conscience means to know to know within oneself. I didn't know that, you know, and I know when I got here, like I didn't know like anything about me. I remember one time early on in my recovery, um, it might even been the journey to recovery right before, but you know, someone asked me, like, if I like my sandwich a certain way, and it, like, struck me. It's, like, a moment of clarity. Like, I didn't even know, like, the basics. I became how, how, I became, like, so aware of, like, how little I knew about myself just because, like, I didn't know the answer to this question. And, I mean, you know, and I think that was my higher power waking me up, right? Because I could, I could have just easily passed over this, gave some BS answer, but um, instead it, like, struck me. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm grateful that like this process, I've started to know myself, you know, and then the sentence right after that, developing our personal conscience is a process that continues as long as we are clean. And I love the basic text. I'll tell you what song, I'll bring it right back to it. Everything we know is subject to revision, especially what we know about the truth. Right. So what that speaks to me is like. I'm learning my truth. My conscience is developing. So that directly correlates with this piece right here. That's like my favorite line in a basic text. But yeah, so and here comes that compass again. I like when it's talking about that compass because, you know, I get that visual reference of me in the woods, right? So yeah, I was, I was turned south and I thought I was going north, right? And I couldn't trust myself. And that's, that's the reason I came into Narcotics Anonymous and really tried to, to actually give this damn thing a try, right? Because I knew I couldn't trust myself. I knew I wasn't pointed north and I was going 
well, I didn't know which way I was going, but anyway, so I want to, I just want to tell this funny story real quick. So it talks about perception, right? In a different angle of vision. And Douglas, you don't even know this, neither do you, Carl, but y'all were on a trip with me. Um, you know, we went out to Jackson, Mississippi for a camp out. And, um, you know, I'm almost, I'm, I'm like headed home. I just got in the car and I'm all antsy, right? Want to get home, want to get home. Me, 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 self-centeredness, right? And I got this car in front of me and I'm driving. I'm like, man, this car is going slow. Should I go around them? You know, they got these kind of hilly, weavy roads. I'm from Louisiana. It's all flat. Well, it's not flat in Jackson. Anyway, so I'm traveling behind this car probably about 10 minutes debating whether or not I should go around him and then I realized it's a new car and then I remembered my friend Paul who speaks on the basic tech study that's his car and I'm and all of a sudden bam my whole perception changed I said let me slide back a little bit and guess what my whole trip was peaceful after that I wasn't antsy I was so chill I actually got to tell him that story because you know what? He called me a couple hours later and asked me if I made it home safe. You know, how spiritual is that? Right. But my perception changed. And one, my whole trip was different. And then because it's a NA member that I love, I looked at him different. But I mean, really, I need to practice that in like my whole life. You know, they're no different if they're an NA member inside or outside this program. They still don't need somebody riding their ass. You know, I still need to chill and be safe. So anyway, that was a, that was a big moment for me. I realized that, but yeah, so that, that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for those comments, Melissa. And Paul listens, so he'll be listening, you know, to when we publish in. So quit driving so goddamn slow. And I <laughs> can say that he's my sponsor. So it's all right. All right, Carl, jump in, man. <laughs> That's one of that comment kind of leads right into this piece that I've been eyeballing, which is reconnecting with our conscience office often begins by taking on the values of others, you know, and it's like through that process of the steps, when we get here, we don't, we don't know very much about right, wrong, uh, what my mind tells me, what is reality, you know, uh, that piece of our perspective shapes our perception, you know, like I'm a victim and everybody's uh, out to get me and the world sucks and there's no beauty in the world. And by listening to others and people that work this process, you know, as it says, like through the steps, we develop our own values and tools for recognizing when we're on course and when we're drifting. But that's the process, you know what I mean? That's the piece that by being guided by someone who's already taken the time to improve their consciousness you know it they bring me that's the whole 12-step deal that's i love how it's part of the traditions too is that the whole purpose to me is improving my consciousness you know and a lot of times when i look at the 11th step it it says you know we saw it through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact but a lot of times i tell people like sponsors and stuff like I do those things to improve my consciousness, you know, and as I become more conscious of my thoughts and my motives and all these things, I definitely become more in line with like what I consider to be God, you know, and um, there's so much stuff like hearing y'all all share about this and like reading this one little paragraph, there's so much depth, you know, and, and I always, when I read NA literature, it, it kind of floors me, you know, that 
that I'm involved in a group that is this aware, you know, to write this type of literature, you know, it's like, damn, this, I mean, it's really some pretty enlightened stuff, you know what I mean? To, to read and to, um, to process. Um, so I feel honored, you know, I, I definitely feel honored to be with y'all and to be in this process. Love y'all. Good stuff, Carl. Anybody have any final comments on this piece? We're not going to go on and read the next two paragraphs. We're going to end right there. Anybody have any final? I'm going to throw a comment out there too. Uh, <clears throat> when it talks about our moral compass being really skewed, you know, from active addiction, I just want to make this one parallel that, that uh, uh, I think it, uh, it applies to how we behave in business meetings and stuff too. Our moral compass, my moral compass takes a, takes a big hit too when uh when I'm acting out on character defects as well. Right? It kind of gets me off center and stuff like this. And I'll check this out. So reconnecting with, with, with our conscience begins by taking um taking on the values of others. You know what that tells me is like my awareness in step six of the flat tires in my life. And then I'll start to look at hey, how can I actively change that and get that car rolling, rolling smooth again? Oftentimes it's conversations with other addicts who are saying, okay, hey look, we identified this in six. So what what what's some things that get healthy in seven? right there and the healthier i am to show up to to a business meeting um uh you know maybe sometimes can influence other people to to do that as well i know that i get inspired by other people who are trying to like carl was talking about just get more enlightened and stuff man it's wild it's a wild thing it's like the more um enlightened is a, is a freaky word for me but i'm, I'm gonna roll with it carl i really am man it's just you know but the, it's almost like the more the, the more a little bit of you feel feel enlightened a little bit I'll be damn, man, you want a little bit more, you know, you want a little bit more. And it's just like, man, it's just like helping somebody else, isn't it? You know, when you, when that, when that clicks in, it's like, fuck, why, why haven't I been doing this, you know, the, the whole time. All right, folks, that's going to wrap this episode up. Um, if you're listening here, please do uh, blast this resource out to anybody that you, um, that you think would, would benefit from it and uh, get in touch with us. On Facebook, there, there's ways to, to get in touch with all of us. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love to have you for, for a couple of weeks or uh, or for the next two years. I think we're on average to finish this the study in two years. So jump on in with us. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.